It's the same old story. It's been a long day at the job, or maybe it's just starting to feel long, and you feel that urge to stretch your legs and get a little bit of a break. You walk down the street, or maybe you get behind the wheel of your car, and you feel the weight begin to lift. You walk through the doors, and the sound of the place starts to clear the air. You get a table, you order your drink, you listen to the sounds of the bar, and soak in the conversation. Welcome to the TNE Speakeasy with your hosts, Caleb and Isaac. Listen in as they discuss some recent superhero movie trailers, police depictions in media, and our trip to a recent WWE house show. Did you want to talk briefly about the uh, the screening experience? Maybe I'll tag it into the T2 or... Uh, no, because if I do that, I'm going to basically spill all my thoughts about Avatar and we can't do that yet. Okay, sure. Yeah, we'll see. Um, unless you want to say, like, the trailer that got me the most excited was Black Adam. Oh, really? Oh, okay, cool. I know you'll probably disagree with me on that, but I kind of liked it. Oh, yeah, this second trailer they put out is much better. The first one was... I mean, maybe I'd just seen it too many times for so long. Because they put it out, like, last year, and it's still been, like, the same trailer all this time. So, so I was glad they finally switched it up, and, yeah, it does look better from the second trailer. Oh, and I'm excited for the uh, the new Hawkman. Yeah, I wonder how he's going to fare. I mean, I'm just excited to see the, that the Justice Society of America is finally going to be on screen. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, I don't know whether we're going to have Alan Scott as the Green Lantern at all, or... Uh, Jay Garrick as the original Flash. That'd be interesting if they pulled that off because again we haven't seen everybody in there yet. But uh, we know we've seen Doctor Fate, uh, Hawkman, Adam, and or Atom Smashers in that because you know he's the one that grows. And then that woman, I have no idea who she is. The one that can like zip around on mist or green and purple mist. I I don't remember who that is. Yeah, I, yeah, I didn't have a clue who that was either. <laughs> Although I was very surprised to see that um, uh, Viola Davis is involved. Amanda Waller is, like, involved in this. I'm, I'm fascinated how that's going to work. Yeah, I'm curious about that. Is that one that you think you'll you'll go to the theater to see? or? Oh, yeah. Most likely. Hmm. It, I don't know. It, just, it did something that, like, is a pleasing me. I'll say that. And it makes me want to go watch it. And any thoughts on the, uh, the Black Panther trailer? Blue people. Were those Atlanteans? <sighs> Sure were. Yeah. Okay. I mean, what? What's your your hot take? Given that you know your current name tag is called Namor, like, what's your what's your big hot take on that? Like, do they look? I mean, okay, we've not seen much, but like, do you like their design, or is it just like again, blue people? Well, I'll say it was funny. Um, last time I went to the theater when I went to go see. Uh, what, what did I? Oh, Bros is what I went to go see. Do you know anything about Bros? By the uh, way, it's a from the same guy who did Bridesmaids and uh, what was that other film? Other comedy. I don't, I don't remember what it was, but it, it's the next, like, big comedy. Yeah. Or Judd Apatow uh, production. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like one of the first, uh, I think it's the first, I should say, uh, romantic comedy. It's uh, focusing on uh, gay leads. So, 
Huh. Surprised that like no indie film has done that before. Well, wide release, I should say. Wide release. I, I guess so. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah, there's definitely been like yeah minor ones, straight to streaming ones. Um, it was okay. It was a good movie, I think. A little the comedy leaned a little bit too much into a uh, silly town for me, as comedy often do. But the the core of the movie was good. Um, but uh, before that movie played, they played the Black Panther trailer, and a guy in the audience said, right before the title card popped up, he said Avatar two, because of all the blue people. I think he was joking because his oh, okay. the crowd that he was with all laughed. And then immediately after that, they played the Avatar 2 trailer, and they all kind of had a laugh. I see. Because they're both, I don't know if you've seen the, uh, or I guess I know you haven't seen the Avatar 2 trailer, but they're both. I still haven't. They're both water-themed with blue people, so <laughs> kind of funny timing. Okay, except that film, Avatar 2, has been, you know, slated to release for, like, 12 years. Yeah. And, like, Wakanda Forever has been slated for, like, I don't know, three, four, I don't know at this point, but. Yeah. Uh, it's it's just a coincidence that they're about the same like time. Yeah, and I I love water-based stuff, and I've been saying for probably well over a decade now when it's Namor gonna get a movie, and uh, now he's a bit character in Wakanda Forever. So who's who's he being played by? No clue. I don't know this this actor's name, but I know that they've uh, in the wake of Aquaman, they decided to uh, not make it Atlantis. Oh, okay. It's some sort of other lost city. Um, okay, Lemuria. And it takes place... I think they're like... Maybe like a South American... Um, kind of... Lost... A civilization. So he's like... Like more like... Um, I don't know. I don't know where he's supposed to be from. Let me quickly take a look. Interesting. But it's certainly a, a radically different take for Namor. So that's... I mean, it is what it is. It's the MCU. They're... It's their own take. It's it never really is exact from what the comics are. So in no, that way, true. I'm fine with it. But as someone who's been waiting for a Namor movie for forever, it is kind of disappointing to see how much they're gonna like. Is this even gonna be really have any sort of basis in the Namor comics, or is it kind of Namor in name only, kind of like Thor? Or uh, this guy's name is Tanok. Uh, I don't know how to say his name. Tanok Hirata. I'm I'm really bad at these names, but he's a Mexican actor. <laughs> ah, okay, he's Hispanic. Yes. Interesting. So was he in the trailer then? Yes, he was. Okay. Yeah, we saw him a couple times. We saw like his his kingly outfit, where it's got much more of like an Incan or something look to it. Okay. Okay then. I would have not like known that. <laughs> yeah, and I'm I'm sure anyone who's not been following the production would have no clue that that's Namor. If if it was just you were coming in and had a base knowledge of the Marvel Universe and it's like, oh, who's this new character? So it doesn't look anything like Namor. There's one shot when we see, I guess, his mother having, like, an underwater birth and we see that the baby has the little wings on his feet. So that's, like, the only clue that they give you that that's Namor. Oh, they actually give him the wings? Yeah, they got, he's got oh, the wings. Oh, man. Okay. That definitely makes me happy. Okay. Wow. Yeah, that does, like, I'm not going to say maybe happy, but it's just like, okay, they're actually, like, <laughs> at least sticking to something. And again, the Namor look is very distinct. Um, and I, they're definitely, they've changed it dramatically. Does he have the pointed ears? I didn't see pointed ears. I did see that he had a lot of earrings. Um, he definitely has very different hair. And there's, there's always kind of a sharpness to Namor. Like, all around, he's sharp. Yeah, very poignant. 
yeah, there's nothing, nothing about that in this trailer that calls out to Namor for me. Do you think they're gonna say Imperious Rex? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> I would, maybe they'll do it as like a, a line and then some, some ironic person in the background will be like, is that his catchphrase? Oh, that's a weird catchphrase. And then the audience will all laugh and I'll roll my eyes. <laughs> as you usually do at these events. Um, so do, here, here's the next question. Is this the MCU's first mutant? Um, I think it's actually uh, uh, Camilla Khan. I think she's their first mutant. You're kidding. They did not. Yeah, they made... But I mean, in, I mean in film, because I know technically Kamala does count, but like we're talking on film. Kamala, there you go. <laughs> um, I don't know. I've, I really don't know. I'd be... Uh, yeah, I guess I wouldn't be surprised, but... That does seem kind of like passively aggressive and or just... That, that seems pretty uh, low of me to like call Kamala not like a mutant. No, of course she is, but like um, to say that like the TV series don't count, <laughs> just like everybody else who, even though I was like praising the Netflix stuff, you know, to a certain point uh, for wanting to be canon and now like they are finally canon. I just mean like, I assume people have seen it, but like if Kamala is the first mutant, then like, well, she's their first mutant, but man, so he'll be, <laughs> he'll have the honor of being the first film mutant. Yeah, could be. Could be. Um, wow, they actually just went and undid her freaking origin. That's that's insane. It's really not. Again, the MCU, it's it's in no way adaptations as much as it's just inspired by. Well, to be fair, like, Miss Marvel has an interesting history. I'll say that. I did read uh, some of her first, like, I don't know, 10 or 12 issues I'd say at the library mm -hmm. of the graphic novels like I don't know 8 or 7 years ago so from what I remember this and this is okay when I say it's a little like not difficult but it's a little it's it's a little weird what I, what I, how do I mean so that was she debuted in 2014 and I think they were it was Ike Perlmutter, whoever it was, a bunch of other people at, like, Marvel Television or, or whoever it was, who was really, like, pushing against the idea for mutants to still be involved in Marvel if 20th Century Fox still had the rights to them. And the same thing with Fantastic Four. And they were, like, trying to push those, like, properties out of Marvel because they no longer wanted uh, if they weren't making money off of them, why keep the characters? And so there was that big push with Inhumanity, which was, I think, Thanos or Origins. Not, or Thanos originated, excuse me. And, like, Terrigen Mist spread all across the Marvel Earth, and basically those with ancestral inhuman DNA uh, awoken with, uh, awoke with powers. <laughs> and Kamala was one of them. Oh, interesting. So she's an inhuman, but not really, because then for the next several years, it was again like X-Men versus Inhumans, which you can kind of guess how that turned out. <laughs> again, really pushing the Inhumans as like the new mutants. And well, you can see how well that did. Yeah, I've been so out of the loop with comics these days, modern comics, I really don't know. So 
So if they undid... So if MCU just undid all of that, I actually praise them for that. Um, because if she's just like the mutant every, everybody wanted Spider-Man to be, then and you know her, her being this generation Spider-Man, then I think I think it works perfectly. Yeah, and I, I actually don't know how this show's been received. I don't know if it's really hit off with young folks because I haven't seen a lot of people talking about it for whatever reason. Maybe it's just the circles that I that I wander around in. I know Eric said that he liked it a lot more than he was expecting. And I, I liked it too, but I don't know if it's taken off with the uh, the youth audience. I mean, more of the character in comics-wise, but I don't know if they have, if she's having as big of a oh, okay. impact as Spider-Man did in the 60s. Oh, I'm sure not. <laughs> I'm positive not. I don't know if there's as many people reading these as, as back then, but I don't know. Maybe Maybe there are. Yeah, I can't. I can't. I'm not gonna pull statistics out of my career. Yeah. Um, I need hard. We need hard facts, and we don't have those hard facts. There you go. Yeah. So we don't know. And I'm not gonna push anything saying like, "Oh, the show sucks" or anything like that. I guess my question though is, at this point, with like all MCU TV shows, is there a season two, or are they just like one season only? Um, I know Loki's getting a second season. I don't know about anything else. Um, of course, uh, the kind of sequel to Miss Marvel is going to be Marvels, because um, she's going to be a side character in that movie, or potentially like a oh. secondary lead. It may be. Oh, finally, her with Captain Marvel, even though and others. Okay, that's going to be interesting because if okay, so I don't know much about you know Captain Marvel the movie, other than like you know it starts off in the '90s and then like she time skips eventually. Is she well known? Like, does does Kamala have a uh, poster of her? Because oh how would, yes, how would she know that then? I mean, again, I don't obviously know, but like, you know, if she had like a, a poster for Iron Man or or uh, Hulk or Thor or Captain America or Black Widow, I could sort of see that, but I also can't see that, or I can't see her with Captain America because I at least I, I again I'm ignorant and in the dark in this. Yeah. You're completely out of the loop. I don't know if Captain Marvel is well known to um, the public. Everyone is. Yeah, it's it's a completely different. Okay. The universe that you remember is very very different from what it is now. Okay, so I assume like whatever happened after uh, Endgame is what like changed everything, right? Like, yeah. What whatever happened? Not a lot of these heroes are in like the cultural zeitgeist. Yeah, not even just after Endgame, but. There's a, a long stretch of time in between Infinity War and Endgame that dramatically changed the uh, the continuity. Like it was like a I think like a five six year gap from when everyone disappeared and the events of Endgame. So so a lot of different stuff happened there. Yeah, if I recall, I think promotional materials said that somewhere like it's five years after uh, Endgame is five years after Infinity War. Yeah. <laughs> I am so sorry if I just seem clueless to this. Um, it's just funny that like uh, how I'm putting myself through this. I think it's still fascinating if you think about it. Like, who in their right mind would have missed this? <clears throat> People who don't like Marvel films in general. That's true. Yeah, this is true. This is like a fan of the characters, you know, embargoing himself. And I think it really is a cool social experiment in a way. I still think it's such a shame that you missed. Uh... 
uh, Endgame into the Spider Verse. Oh well, that's fair. Yeah, you're, you're, I, I'll give you that one. Um, but it also is Lord Miller, and I, I don't trust Lord Miller. Yeah, for no reason though. Yeah, <laughs> that's just it. It's not like any of those. Uh, I just I, I don't tr they can't be trusted by by me by my uh, in my eyes. Yeah, and I think I think we discussed this in one of our things, and I I couldn't Probably. even really pin down why what the reason was. I can't either, but there's just this weird... Uh, my spider sense is tingling around them. I'm just like, there's something wrong with them. Like, there's there's something odd about this. Like, it's the same feeling I had with Weinstein. Look how that turned out. <laughs> <laughs> well, as someone who's been a fan since uh, Clone High back in the day, um, I'm very happy to see that they're, they're success, and they continue to put out great, great stuff, so... That's fair. I'm very happy with what they've done. Yeah. Call me a contrarian and or call me a hater, but it's not even that. I just I, there's something off about them with me. They rub me the wrong way. Like uh, like interviews that they've done or just. But I've never I've never seen them. It's it's no it's their storytelling and like how they like uh, their plots, their their uh, their scripts, their dialogue. That's what it is. Their dialogue. Something's off about it for me. It's the same with the Mandalorian. And how it's shot and how it's what the dialogue's like and this is based solely off the lego movie right lego movie cloudy with a chance of meatballs and whatever else they've done oh, okay mm. i guess they also didn't they technically do the first like few episodes of either community or brooklyn 99 oh that i don't know i haven't seen any of those shows okay well i mean brooklyn 99 i have a similar problem with although i think did I talk about this on here, or was I talking to somebody else about it? Oh, I don't. I don't remember if it's ever come up. Okay, well, Brooklyn Nine Nine, I don't. I don't trust again because it's a comedy with cops in it. And oh no, I know who I was talking to. No, no, I've not brought this up. Yeah, Brooklyn Nine Nine, I don't trust because the, the generations nowadays hate cops. I mean, that's not say like cops have been ever hated but like now people at least the masses are starting to hate cops so what's the best thing to do have a cop show with uh about comedy with cops in it excuse me a comedy about cops excuse me there we go yeah when that when did that show come out uh 2014 2013 maybe 2015 i don't remember mm. when mm. and it's that show is rubbing me the wrong way all the time uh, even before, like, the revelation that cops are a-holes and there's police brutality. <laughs> so I've... It's always, like, stuck me the wrong way, like, like mm. I say. And so I'm just like... Again, people are applauding it. It's getting awards. And I'm like... Even though this is a fantasy, in that this is not how cops obviously act, isn't that a negative portrayal of cops on television? Like, that's not how cops act right yeah as you were talking i was having some weird thing tickling at the back of my mind like what is this making me think of and i just remembered um so, so i'll move away from that for a little bit i've i haven't seen it or really know anything about it but that that does sound interesting yeah of course and i can see why that would yeah rub you the wrong way um but over the past like f four weeks or so i was doing a, a saw retrospective oh boy I've been putting it off for years, and now I'm scraping the barrel of like, okay, what now playing podcast series do I need to catch up on? Ah, oh, fuck, I gotta get this off. So I finally finished it uh, two nights ago when I watched Spiral, starring uh, 
uh, what's his name? Chris slapped by uh, Will Smith the Rock. There you go. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, and there have been a theme running through almost every single Saw movie of police brutality. It'd been there since the very first one. These cops that bend the law, do whatever it takes to just put criminals away, but more for their own egos, and they don't care who they hurt. And so this new one was again, once again, all about police brutality. And <laughs> um, handled in kind of an interesting way, um, but I was shocked to see that Samuel Jackson was in it. Oh, really? Yeah, this is spoilers, but he was kind of the lead uh, corrupter of the police. Interesting. And I was like, how the fuck did they get Chris Rock and Samuel Jackson to star in a ninth entry of one of the cheapest, crappiest horror franchises of the modern era? Oh, boy. And nobody talked about it. I didn't hear a single person mention that Samuel Jackson was in it. And, yeah, it just it shocks me that, that somehow that happened. But What year did it come out? Last year, 2021. <laughs> okay. Because I remember seeing a trailer for it, if I recall, in the theater. Mm -hmm. And I thought COVID killed it. That could have been it. Yeah, maybe that's why no one's talking about it. I thought the virus had taken it. That's that's probably why. Uh, but I will say 100% easily by at least a margin of five, it's the best Saw movie. And by that, I mean it gets like a 5.8 out of 10. Oh my goodness. It's almost a good movie, but that's one of the most convoluted and just, just embarrassingly bad franchises around. I just, it's, it's shocking to me that that thing had the legs that it did have. Yeah, and I remember the trailer for that trying to look a little bit more professional. Yeah, and or at least like taking it, wanting people to take it seriously. Like, it's a murder mystery almost, rather than it being like this sawhouse uh, slasher film. Yeah, and what's so funny is it it through and through felt like they took the bare elements of Saw, which was almost always like a seven ripoff, just with more gore. And they're like, let's really focus on we'll have we'll still have the more gore, but let's really lean into the seven vibes. So so in that way they, they picked the right uh, element to work on. And they dropped out the incredibly convoluted and embarrassing plots. Like uh, the most the second most recent one, Jigsaw, came out in twenty seventeen. And it was so convoluted to the point that the entire jigsaw part of the plot, where we see the people trapped in these this big epic game that they're trying to escape, that all took place, it turned out, back in 2004, before the first Saw movie ever took place. It was the first jigsaw trap. And we didn't find it out until, like, the last ten minutes of the movie. And I was like, oh my god, like, you finally had a chance to move away from all this convoluted time jumps. Because every single one of them does that. Every single one you get to the end and you realize, oh no, this happened bef long before this, this movie that I'm watching started. So I was just like, thank god they finally got away from that crap. What a horrible franchise, oh god. But <laughs> You can say that the plots of Saw are a jigsaw. You know, I never thought about it, but maybe they're doing it intentionally. Yeah, maybe they're like, it's all a big jigsaw puzzle. You have to watch them all in sequence to piece it all together. <laughs> I'll tell you this. I was actually a fan of this franchise up until the fourth one. Um, I think I saw maybe the fifth one in the theater or something like that. But in the fourth one, you get to a point in the movie where all of a sudden the lead from the third one comes in. And I'm like, whoa, what the hell? How did, like, he comes out of nowhere and he shows up and it's like footage from the third movie that they're just intersplicing into this new one. 
it turns out that the fourth one took place at the same time and it's just turns into this big mess and it was just yeah i was i was shocked that they would make that choice but <laughs> anyway caleb watches the saw movies so you don't have to yeah i definitely would not recommend that franchise yeah just horrible not to go back to what i was talking about but most of my you know these statements that i've made about like you know police brutality or just the police depicted in american hollywood based films and or television mm. uh i'm already going to call it because again different in different regions of the earth i'm aware mm-hmm. um at least in this uh most of this was echoed by i'm echoing trevor noah who did a who won um I don't know if I could say congratulations, but at least, like, you know, I watch the show every now and then. You did a good job, bud. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, here's to you finally finishing on The Daily Show. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Congratulations, sir. Um, yeah, I think you'll be missed, but it, you're at least going to, you know, go do a, uh, go out and do what you want to do. Uh, not that you didn't want to do The Daily <laughs> Show, but, like, you know, a chapter's finished for you. So, But anyway, I, he, he was... Um, he wrote, or not wrote, he did his bit talking about police depictions in media, like in American television and film, and how, you know, you always see the cowboy cop who will do anything to put, you know, like you said, criminal behind bars, mm-hmm. uh, despite having a badge, uh, and they'll, like, lie to their, I mean, this is real life, of course, uh, yep. they'll lie to their, uh, the suspects or the people they bring in, and they'll, like, threaten them with uh, injury or other stuff or blackmail them with family members you know all that stuff and it's always portrayed as like the good uh thing they did because the ends justify the means um some i guess interesting are some examples would be like hawaii 50 the most recent edition of it um probably any ncis any like primetime cop show on television uh on cable is toxic and that's they're recycling the same scripts and ideas over and over again just for an audience that doesn't realize they're, they're recycled. <laughs> um, you know, that kind of crap. Like, all that crap is basically, like... At the end of the day, it's all about family and putting these people <laughs> behind bars. Yeah, and maybe the ugliest example is Bad Boys, where it glorifies... I mean, it's even in the title, Bad Boys. These are terrible cops, racist cops. They'll do anything to, yeah, get the job done. And, yeah, they don't care who they hurt along the way. And, yeah, you get to the end and it's treated like they're the heroes. And that all the rules and regulations only are only there because bureaucrats don't get what it's like on the ground and the rules only get in the way. And that's, yeah, that's just a, a really ugly trope. But, see, Caleb, here's where I counterpoint you with the fact that both the bad boy cops, um, both of them, the duo there, are played by black actors. You can't say that. Black people cannot be racist. Oh, they're racist. They're absolutely racist cops. You cannot play the race card on them when they themselves are black. (laughs) They are a person of color. You can't do that. Yeah, watch Bad Boys and get back to me if they're not racist. (laughs) How bad was the third one? I forget. Oh, I didn't even watch it. Actually, it's the best one. You're still a really bad movie. Wow. But I found it to be the most tolerable, and it's the only one were that it addresses the fact that they're bad cops. Oh, okay. Where they even kind of have a guilty conscience of like, oh, you know, what's our past been? Like, have we really been doing good? Huh. It's kind of put in their face a little bit. Interesting. That's kind of interesting. 
Yeah, which made it more tolerable, but it's still just a really stupid movie, and Martin Lawrence is just one of the most obnoxious actors in, in comedy history. Oh, we know from National <laughs> Security. Yeah, the guy is just embarrassingly bad at everything. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Ouch, man. Um, speaking of uh, bad boys, I had the pleasure. My, fa- uh, my parents this week went on their kind of yearly annual um, trip they usually give themselves vacation for their anniversary, their upcoming anniversary in October. Uh, and this year they went to San Francisco, which the last time they went was 1996, and they went camping with their firstborn, myself. Oh, wow. So uh, they spent some time there. Obviously, they went around. They did the things. They saw the sights, sounds, ate, the feels, a lot of stuff. And when they got back, and or during the week, they, I guess, were watching films based in San Francisco. Oh. There's an idea that we could do. Not just, like, films based in, like, you know, San Francisco, but just, like, films based in, you know, some someplace. Yeah, no, that'd be cool. Um, but uh, one film that I immediately thought of was, like, oh, uh, I haven't seen this, but you guys should watch The Rock. Mm. And guess what I watched the whole way through on Friday night? The Rock. Interesting. I watched The Rock and um, Michael Bean. <laughs> so, sir, I gotta ask, um, when was the last time you watched The Rock? Actually, it's sitting right next to me, strangely, because I watched it not that long ago. My Blu-rays aren't actually in my podcast room, but this one's still in here, so let me take a look. I watched this... Um, oh no, I didn't actually update it in here. Uh, I was in the past maybe two months. It's right in my my thing here, but yeah, I think it was I think it was August when I watched it. We may talk about this one at a later date, but I'm gonna throw it out there. This might be one of Michael Bay's best films ever. We'll definitely discuss it. Um, what do you, at least like? Can you give me a like brief opinion of yours about this? I agree that it may be his best movie, um, but as someone who was a giant fan of it for many years, especially as someone who viewed it as kind of a soft sequel to the James Bond franchise. Yes. Um, going back to it now, I do feel like the humor is a little more obnoxious, and I also feel like Michael Bay's style is a little bit more um, apparent to me than it used to be. I see. But I still think it's an enjoyable movie, absolutely. And I think uh, I think it's funny how similar the score is to Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's like the same score. And I enjoy that score, so so I can enjoy it in this movie too. But the problem is, this score came first. Yep, exactly. Which is more funny than like what people might think. And this is a young Hans Zimmer, by the way. In a long time before Pirates of the Caribbean, which makes it even funnier. Way funnier. And he, just, he just ripped it off almost completely. <laughs> but but it, it still works it still works yeah other than a few maybe dated scenes of like you know Aww. cage and his girlfriend slash fiance which I'll... yes okay one could say like hey she proposed to him that's prog- progress isn't it <laughs> or any almost any scene when we see the uh, the tourists that are locked up and their little quips that they have yeah it's like oh wow that's just Oh boy. Yeah, no, that's fair. Although, again, to be fair, I don't know if that was all, you know, Bay or if that was just like him on on site uh, or on scene, just being like, "Here, say something like funnier or whatever." Funny back in those days, excuse me. Appropriate at the time. Yeah, and and that was not long after. I I feel like maybe that was his 
second movie after Bad Boys. Which, goodness gracious me, the opening of The Rock is just the Bad Boys again. Yeah, and I, I think we've discussed with Bad Boys, but almost every day on set, him and Martin Lawrence and Will Smith would rewrite the script completely. They'd be like, okay, this is what we're doing this day. Let's just rewrite everything, rewrite our dialogue. Oh, boy. And and he would also improve a lot, or improv a lot when they were shooting, too. So I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of that was in The Rock as well. I feel like Cage isn't as unhinged in this film, which, is this before uh, uh, Face Off? Uh, yeah, I think Face Off was maybe 98. Could you almost see this, like, Face Off and The Rock being in the same universe? Um, they're certainly, uh, they're certainly in a similar, yeah, similar world of yeah, this craziness. Yeah, it's kind of weird. It was just the style of the time, just this, like, I guess it was, this bombast everywhere. And then that's one of the things that does date The Rock and make it less enjoyable for me now, is it very much feels like a movie from that time period, and yeah, it doesn't feel like it stands on its own in a way, if if, you, if that makes sense to you. Interesting. <laughs> it feels like... If someone just today was like, what's this movie on Netflix, The Rock? They sat down to watch it. I feel like immediately it would be like, wow, this is a very, very dated movie. Well, for one, they can't watch it on Netflix. It's only on Disney+. Plus. Oh, okay. Oh, interesting. Or maybe you didn't. Oh, wait, no. I think I guess you, I think my dad said he was looking at it on Amazon Prime, but he had to pay for it. And then I was like, look it up on Disney+. Plus. And he was like, oh, there it is. Oh, yeah, and the gay barber, too, that also very much dates. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's that's that's, that's true. Yeah, I remember I used that to, when I was talking to Eric about, you know, what representation used to be and the crumbs that they used to throw to us and be like, except this, like, here you go. There's a gay character in here, The Rock. Look at him. He's this flamboyant, embarrassing mess. <laughs> Just take that. That's all you get. Which... You'd think there'd be more of those in San Francisco, but I guess not. And I guess the same in New York, for good sakes, but what do I know? Yeah, yeah. so it's it's still definitely a quality movie, and I really like the uh, the Michael Bay kind of set, or the um, the Michael Bean, his like, big moment in the movie. I think that that scene really works well, and I like Ed Harris. Yeah. No more funny thing he's in. No, that's that was funny after watching The Abyss. Yeah, no, that is funny, because he does look a lot older in the... Uh, the rock as compared to the event and the uh roles are reversed that's true that's yeah that is funny i didn't even think about the fact that they were in the abyss together i think about it yeah no well it's only because of recently you know we just recently did it so yeah and it's i find that pretty humorous it's too bad that was one of the last big things that michael bean did and they just kind of faded away after that i i gotta tell you i i had questions tonight um with uh, Korich, I don't remember how you say his full name, but you know, the main bad guy in Avatar. Oh, wow. I cannot, like, I, I looked at Stephen Lang, and I'm like, how did, like, how did Cameron not contact Bean and say, hey, I got a role for you? He should have. Stephen Lang, I mean, this is spoilers, but I think he's the worst part of that movie. Oh my goodness, fair, okay. <laughs> we'll get to that. We will. We'll definitely discuss that. Um, that's a pin. That's a pin for another day. But at least, like, oh man, uh, I didn't mind. His, I think I liked his role. Uh, maybe I'm, you know, drinking the Kool Aid or whatnot. But like, I think he acted fine. I don't know if like you think his acting was bad or his role was just bad. I don't, I don't know. It's probably a combination of both. Maybe it's knowing him from other roles, but the role that he was playing in that movie, it just 
to me feels like a cartoon character. Like it doesn't well, feel like there's anything about it that feels like a real person. So I feel like that's that's why I, I struggle with it. I'm like, well, why did we get this performance from Stephen Lang, someone who's capable of giving us a lot better work, and this is the performance that he chose for this movie? Or maybe that Cameron shows, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, but I'm you kind of know what I was about to say of that, like... Yeah, could you see Michael Bean being in that role? Which I'll probably ask whoever's doing that com or that speaks with us. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, absolutely. I could see Michael Bean actually being a lot better in that. <laughs> it even looks like Stephen Lang a bit. Yeah, but I don't know. And it's yeah, he was still working around that time. He showed up in um, Planet Terror just two years before Avatar, um, playing a, a, like a police police uh, character. And he was a lot of fun in Planet Terror. I wish maybe Cameron would have reached out to him. I don't know if they had a falling out after the abyss or or what. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Was he in Titanic at all? I guess not. No, not not that I remember. Well, here's fingers crossed that he's in Avatar two. Let's 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 pray for Bean because if he has if he has Sigourney Weaver in in there, could you imagine? By the way, if um, Paxton shows up somehow in two. Oof. Like oof! Like they filmed a scene in there. That would be something else, man. And I guess I'll also say yeah. I hope that uh, Lance Hendrickson is also in Avatar too. That'd be awesome. Um, but just before we move on, yeah, I guess did you want to do the wrestling thing tonight, or did you want to do it on Monday? Uh, yes. No, let's do it. Let's do it tonight. And um, but first, I want sure. to you know give a shout out. And um, it's been a few days, but I do have to you know make mention to date this speakeasy. That yes, let's um moment of silence or you know pay your respects uh to, to one mr coolio oh yes yeah coolio passed yeah. on we should have watched we should be watching uh um daredevil the director's cut in honor of him and you know it's not a bad idea um <laughs> i'll do it we got to do it in person though i, I wouldn't mind that one that'd be kind of interesting to do it in person again yeah that or uh batman and robin <laughs> oh wow i forgot he was in that is he in the beginning or is he in like the middle uh, he shows up when they, when Robin and Batgirl go to their little motorcycle race. He's in there, but that's not fair to him. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay, that scene. Yeah. It's, well, I mean, okay, we're talking like vi- more just a cameo. Vivid, vivid images. Does he have a bigger cameo in Daredevil director's cut? Yeah. There's a. In fact, they deleted a whole subplot. His entire subplot. It's uh, the case that um, uh, Daredevil's working on at the time. Is. Uh, Coolio. Wait, is he, uh, what's his face's name? Uh, was it, is it Coolio or is he playing somebody? Yeah, he's playing someone who's accused of murder and he didn't really do it. Okay. They just cut out the case part of it completely. Even though it, it tied into the Kingpin plot, it was like, there was all this kind of intricate uh, crime drama going on. In the theatrical cut, they're just like, cut all that stuff. Cut all even the relationship developing between Daredevil and Jennifer Garner's character. Oh, they don't need a development. Just have him making out in a few scenes. That's good enough. That that, that uh, theatrical cut is one of the biggest slap jobs I've seen in uh, in movies. It's crazy how bad that thing is compared to the director's cut. Kind of funny how Coolio plays somebody from New York when he's clearly from Compton, but whatever. That's, that's <laughs> either here nor there. But how? Okay, maybe <laughs> Caleb. How do you fix Daredevil? Like how how do you fix like like where where does one start by fixing Daredevil, the 2003 film? Um, hire a different director. The guy was a hack. Even in the director's cut, which is much better than the theatrical cut. Wow, that guy was terrible. Like he okay, did. so what's this man's name, by the way? I forgot to add. I probably know this before, but like it's been a while. Refresh my memory, please. Um, 
I believe his name was Mark Steven Johnson, I think. Yes, Mark Steven Johnson. That's right. Yeah, director of, was it Ghost Rider and um, I think League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, I think. This is coming from very old memories. I haven't thought of this. Okay, we certainly see why you know, And he's forgotten nowadays. Yeah, well, I think we should maybe save this for... Uh, because there was a very distinct period of the Marvel movies that all dealt with the same problems and looked the same. And it started with Daredevil and it ended with Catwoman. Yes, which is not Marvel, but that's fine. But there was a little period there. That's not that's not Marvel. I should say the superhero movies. Yes. Yeah, it was DC too doing the same weird shit. I don't know what that was. What even you call it? Actually, you know what? I think it started with Joel Schumacher. I think he started that. And then just the Daredevil version was like an extension of it, but done kind of differently, but kind of the same issues. But anyway, I, I don't think we have time to get into that tonight. <laughs> no, yeah, we, we, we certainly don't have time for that. It's just, um, it just seems like, is it, uh, what is it? Is it, is it a, did he come up with the, uh, did Mark come up with like the concept from the start or is it one of those, it was written by a, a mad genius and then Mark came in and just ruined it. Mm, I don't know. Again, don't don't go into it fully if you have to, but if, like a quick answer would be, is is, is okay. Yeah, because you know when you watch the uh, the director's cut, it seems like it was actually fairly well written, but just everything about the way it was done is just horrible. Okay. All the performances are weird and bad. Uh, poor Ben Affleck. As much as I appreciate him, that was not his best moment at all. Um. And I think, and this is just me, but the the kid that they cast as the young Daredevil. Oh, yes. He has this horrible action scene, and just the way he plays being blind, that stuff I find almost unwatchable. It's just like, oh, like how, I can't take this movie in any way seriously with that kid's work. <laughs> oh, my. Uh, you'll see, you'll see when we watch it. He has this fight scene, the little kid, and wow, it's... It's just like, why did they? Why did they even include that in the director's cut? Like it should have been cut completely. It was just so badly done. <laughs> did he do? Did Mark Steven Johnson do Electra? Um, I don't. I don't believe so. No. Okay. I actually think Electra is, is kind of is somewhat better than Daredevil, but I know that's which is funny when you say that, but that's another time. Yeah, almost no one agrees, but I think it's more tolerable. <laughs> no, that is uh, that's certainly fair. With that. Sorry. Um, yeah, but just, you know, before we keep moving on, I just, yeah, I want to just quickly shout out Coolio. Rest in peace, buddy. You will be missed. Um, I always, like, I think you've cemented yourself just because of Gangster's Paradise, and I do implore everybody who's listening to go and, you know, listen to pretty much all his tracks. I'll say that, you know, It Takes a Thief, Gangster's Paradise, which is the actual title, Ma Soul. El Cool Magnifico, and then, like, you know, a bunch of other stuff after that. So, please go listen to his stuff, anything he's featured on, and whatnot. And even, you know, you know, search up some things like, you know, maybe go watch. Uh, I'd highly recommend uh, The Rap Critic and his video on Gangsta's Paradise. I think it's a very well done video and gives some insight into the song, like, what the reason behind the song. And, um, what was the film it was in? Uh, with Michelle Pfeiffer that may or may not be cancelable today. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't remember what that movie is, but that was a good movie. Where it's 
where it's like a white middle class woman or a white upper class woman going into the hood <laughs> and trying to like get all the teens to stop being delinquents. Well, that's that seems like a gross over simplification. <laughs> I know exactly. It's it's probably the wrong interpretation and, and incorrect. But I said, is this a cancelable film today? By today's standard, excuse me. Um, I haven't seen it in probably like twelve years or more. There you go. But if I remember, it was more like you take a teacher who came from like a better school and someone who cared about teaching students. White privilege. Let's be honest here. Let's let's, let's just just say it. White privilege. Yeah, well, well, I'm sure there was lots of white teachers in those schools too. That's true. But at a certain point, they just don't care anymore. You know. Pretty much. Because they're underfunded, their students don't really care because they don't know how to engage with them. And yeah, then you get a teacher in who does care, and that can make a difference. That's what the point of that movie was meant to be. Yeah, of course. But yeah, I could see how people could be like, oh yeah, here comes this white rich lady. But, but it does seem a gross over-exaggerate, or over, uh, overstep to a... But. <laughs> the film Dangerous Minds. Thank you, Dangerous Minds. Yeah, I remember it being an okay movie. I'm being, I'm the bad guy here. Okay, I'm I'm making myself out to be the bad, the, the ignorant bad guy here. Um, no, and I wouldn't be surprised if that's a common, yeah, com- common uh, critique for the movie. And it could be true. I know it's just, it's just just me being hyperbolic. I've not seen it, so I can't you know state anything. But I'm only echoing what some people might think of it as, uh, by today's standards. Yeah, that's fair. By today's standards. And you know, probably some of those kids in Dangerous Minds were watching uh, a program that. Would also not be uh, recommended nowadays. Maybe cancelable. Which is probably wrestling. Yeah, me and Isaac. Uh, last week we attended a WWE event here in Vancouver, Canton, or Vancouver, uh, BC, British Columbia, called Saturday Night's Main Event. And yeah, I guess you want to talk about that. Was it Saturday Night's Main? Event? I thought it was just Saturday Night Main Event. Oh, Saturday Night Main Event. Yeah, I don't know if it was plural or not, plural or not. Well, that wouldn't be plural. It'd be uh, possessive. Oh, there you go. Not the one with English knowledge. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but go ahead. Uh, You want to talk about this? What do you got for us? Well, we were basically just going to do a summary uh, and our thoughts and our feelings and what we thought about it. And, well, I think we're both in agreement that we were really feeling it. And it was was, was an event. What do you expect? It was a fun event. Um, Yeah. I can say this, uh, nobody, and I mean, as far as I'm aware, I didn't do any, like, fact-checking, so people can fact-check me on this and say I'm incorrect, but as far as I'm aware, there was no debauchery and no, uh, mischief before, after, before, during, or afterwards the event. Um, nope. Proving that the week prior, on Sunday, with the little Da Baby concert, mm. um, at, um, Hastings Park there, at the Peony was just a fluke and that people okay con i don't know if we said oh yeah we kind of talked about it before but like yeah context yeah. just again uh there's a baby concert at one of our local parks and he should he like an hour beforehand uh posted on twitter that he was sick and which i have to correct myself on because we didn't speak easy before where i didn't know what that what, what the occurrence of that was and i found out the next day i'm like Okay, that's still a little... I'm not, I'm not going to say suspicious. I, I believe him, but at the same time, it's just like, oh, that's that's unfortunate. And basically, a lot of the teens and or other people there, attendees, 
rioted and started like you know burning things and are like making a bonfire out of stuff you know they went they went nuts they went the, the, the locals got restless what can i say and those who traveled uh from afar and then a week later uh we have this event maybe not a week later but seven days later on a saturday night we have saturday night event and as far as i'm aware most of the people who attended did not uh cause mischief or trouble again maybe small small parts of that maybe maybe but i think it went smoothly and once again i just like to show uh that it depends on the fans and depends on the type of like people that are attracted to said event okay that's what you look at if wrestling fans aren't gonna cause chaos and like the baby fans are maybe yeah. you can see that there's no correlation between the two i hope Maybe I'm just completely ignorant. <laughs> just just for correction, it's little baby, I should oh, say. Oh, little baby. Why did I say dub baby? I'm sorry. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. No, fair enough. Fair enough. But uh, did you want to did you want to go into any specifics for the event or I guess just uh, an overview of like, you know, who we saw and like, you know, if you felt like any of the cuz we didn't talk about it. Much. Well, we did talk about some like uh, during the car ride yeah. home, but like, you know, what did you do you think there was any like botches or what moments stood out for you the most like your fight of the your, your yeah your fight of the night or match of the night excuse me or mm. uh, what you weren't feeling exactly yeah just yeah anything if you can remember mm, i think promo of the night goes to uh kevin owens and um austin theory i think they were great yes they were kevin owens came out in a canucks jersey and yeah he really got the audience riled up and yeah, everyone was in Austin Theory too. I think is a great heel, and he really got everyone pissed off at him. Um, you missed the uh, the first promo, which is when yes, I did. Yeah, Alpha Academy came out, and they're going off because Alpha Academy's whole thing is um, Chad Gable, the kind of leader of the the two, uh, took on Otis, who was kind of this wild man character. He was kind of yep. like a like a blubbering idiot, and he sharpened his mind and turned him into a, a lean mean. Or I guess not lean. The tree trunk Otis is not lean at all. But you turn him into a, a fighting machine and yeah, a, strat, a strategic uh, killer in, in his way. I see. And so he was coming out being like, you know, shush, shush, please. You know, I don't want you uh, blubbering Vancouverites talking. You guys are all morons. Listen to us. We're the superior minds here. And we're going to show you how wrestling's done. And at the end of this match, we're going to plant the American flag right in the middle of this ring. Oh, boy. And everyone was like, boo, boo, screw you, Alpha Academy. And I love Alpha Academy. I think Chad Gable is just super fun. Um, and then out came out, uh, uh, who, who are they against again? Oh. They wore blue trunks, that's all I remember. <laughs> oh, I can't believe I'm forgetting who they were, who were, there, they were up against. I, I don't, because I was getting popcorn at that point. Yeah. But either way, it was a good tag match, um, whoever they were up against. Yeah, I gotta say, uh, go ahead. Oh no, you you go ahead. I was gonna ask what you thought of it, but uh, I enjoyed it. I think the spots were good with that. Uh, they convinced me that you know the, the there, maybe there was a few takes where I was like that didn't look like they sold yeah. it well enough. But I'm not gonna again criticize. I shouldn't criticize too much on the performance. I mean, okay, well, <laughs> what, what else would I be? But just because again, I want to put. I don't want to just put my shoe myself in those shoes and then like you know have somebody else tell me that it's like. They really were trying. I'm not going to deny that, but yeah, some of them may have looked shoddy. I don't know. I'm, I'm throwing that out there. Yeah, and I'll say... Oh, by the way, it was the Street Profits, I the remember. The Street Profits, thank you. 
And um, I will say, as someone who watches WWE programming quite often, um, in terms of the promos and in terms of their uh, in-ring action, there was a, a much more loose quality at this house show, and that's not necessarily negative. Uh, they were saying some stuff that they wouldn't necessarily say on PG TV. Oh, really? Yeah, and and I did feel like some of the the in-ring uh, stuff felt like they were playing a little bit more jokey, and um, yes, maybe that also just the mindset led to a little bit more sloppiness at times. But. I will say, missed opportunity of the night, and this isn't everything. Uh, no TLCs and or nothing from Under the Ring. I was really hoping for something like that, but we did not uh, have that tonight or that night. I'm glad. I, I usually don't feel like that adds anything. I guess not. It's just hilarious to see like when the chairs, tables, and ladders come out. Yeah, and maybe maybe I've just been so burned because if you watch AEW TV, oh my god, that stuff comes out <laughs> so much it's lost all meaning. And on weekly television, these athletes put themselves on the line in ridiculous ways, and there's so many botches where I'm just like, I don't want to see people taking these risks for a house show or something like that. Save that for the pay-per-views. That's that's fair. I think I also wanted to see somebody go onto the announcements announcers table, and that's another thing. Like, I guess in 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 the ring or in inside the stadium, uh, in an actual like you know like Raw SmackDown, can the audience hear the commentators or no? I don't know. I wonder that. I, I think they can because the audience will react if they're like announcing the the shows that are or the uh, the matches that are coming up later in the show. The audience will cheer, so I think they can hear it. But there was no announcers at this house show. Yeah. No. So I was really hoping. I know you you might disagree with that, but I would have loved to see somebody put somebody through the announcers table. That's always like you know, <laughs> a nice thing. Yeah. The fun spot. It always is a fun spot. And a safer spot, too. It's certainly a safer spot. I will say that. Um, let's see here. They had... Uh, I don't know if this is a regular thing they do, but they have, like, a top ten at the show, uh, which was... You you missed this one. You were in the bathroom or somewhere. Uh, this was, a, like, the top ten family betrayals. Mm. So you had, you know, the, the you know, Kane and Undertaker. You had... Um, Bret Hart and Owen Hart. Hmm. Um, who else? Do you, you had uh, Eddie Guerrero and Chavo Guerrero. Uh, who, oh, you had uh, the Bella sisters, I believe, where hmm. one of them betrayed the other. I don't remember who it was. And a few others I'm not familiar with. Again, had we done this Monday, I would have remembered easily. <laughs> yeah. But, exactly. Oh, it is what it is. It's fine. Um, but. Um, yeah, the big one, uh, not the big one, but the one that was poignant was the, oh, there was the uh, Roman Reigns against the Usos, I remember that, like, they, mm. he betrayed them, but then the other one, the, the other prominent one was uh, Rey Mysterio's kid against Rey Mysterio, which then led to my, you know, favorite match of the night, which was uh, Rey Mysterio against, uh, who was it again? Yeah, Finn Balor, the leader Finn of the Balor. Ju Judgment Day. There you go. The Judgment Day. And Damian Priest was there, his little right-hand man with the Judgment Day. And, yeah, no, that was a, that was a really fun match. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I've I have loved Rey Mysterio since I was I first saw him as a kid. I think that's pretty much every kid. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I have high respect for him. Uh, while he has, like, slowed down all these years later, that does not take away from anything that he does. He is still, like, 
he'll always remain like a, a, a face to me and that's totally fun how how is it that he can remain a face i mean he's probably had his fair share of heel turns don't get me wrong but like how can he remain a face and people still love him for it, uh, rather than cena that's my question uh, i feel like people turn around on cena now i think people are always are happy to see him most of the time when he comes out it's because there's less of him that's why yeah and ray um i think there's just something about him that's just super humble down to earth yeah and, and again he he's kind of a i feel like kids and and shorter people can, can relate to him because he's this short guy taking on the giants that's that's what i was thinking yeah like his smaller stature like certainly like sells well for for those um downtrodden basically yeah and i've always been a, a big fan of finn balor i haven't loved a lot of his work with the judgment day but i don't necessarily blame him for that i just feel like oh, honestly i feel like overall the judgment day has been kind of a silly heel group i see and so i was kind of disappointed to see him get put as the lead in that but they weren't doing anything with him anyway so it's kind of like at least he's getting tv time now <laughs> yeah there you go um now, the match that Ray was in with the Judgment Day was great. Uh, of course, I kind of knew that there was going to be a betrayal because his son wasn't uh, alongside them yet. They threw out... Who did they throw out? They threw out... Um, What's-his-face? Yeah, Damien Priest. Damien Priest, thank you. I didn't remember which one it was. They threw out Damien Priest, and then his son just shows up out of nowhere and, like, um, causes interference, and then the other guy gets the pin on him. So he didn't fully pin Ray, but so he you know, stays face, but the heels win. Yeah. And, you know, I was, I was disappointed, but I also understood, like, you know, that happening. I was like, ah, it makes sense. And then, um, uh, yeah, and then there's Ray at the end of the match. Like, after the heels have gone, he's he's there shaking hands with the audience members. And, like, that's why we love this man. That's yeah. why I love this man so much. Yeah, and they even waited long enough that they could play his music again as he was doing all that. Oh, my goodness. Like, he, <laughs> like, won. Like, ah. Yeah, because he still won the crowd. <laughs> that's that's the thing. That's ah, that's why we love Ray. Um, the ladies matches. The ladies matches. Let's talk about those. Oh yeah, I think the first one we got was um, uh, Damage Control, which is Bailey's stable. It's Bailey, uh, Dakota Kai, and Io Sky, and then it was against um, uh, Oscar and Alexa Bliss. I don't know what their tag team name is. I thought it was the. Um, I thought it was a singles match first before it was the doubles. Yeah, I'm tr I don't remember what the first... I thought that they came first, but maybe there was a, a women's match before that. No, there was a singles match before the doubles. I know that. And do you know who... Any idea who it was? Oh, it was the... Uh, it was... Um, uh, what is it? That stupid belt. It's the 24-hour uh, oh, belt. Yeah, it's the 24-7 championship. Yeah. No wonder I forgot that. I always you know. Yeah, yeah. Whenever it's Dana Brooke and... Yeah, poor Nikki A.S.H., yeah, that's right. Because at the end of it, she wins. Then the then the ref pins her, and then the other ref pins her, and then the original and I think it was Nikki comes back and then like takes the belt back. Yeah, I think Dana won it again at the end. I even turned to you after Nikki won. I leaned over and was like, "Give it five minutes, and she'll lose it again." Because <laughs> that's what they do. Of course they do. Dana Brooke has held it for so long now, and any time that it it changes hands, she just immediately wins it back, and it's like, oh wow. Oh my goodness. They do they do that same thing too. Usually not the ref, because um, I don't think that would fly on regular TV. But usually someone will will fling out of nowhere and quickly pin whoever won, 
and then Dana Brooke will, will come in and kick them or something and win it back again. It had to be the refs because there was literally like no other cast exactly. members to come in there. Yeah. And do you expect Kevin Owens to job to like one of the people with that 24-7 yeah. belts? Like there's no way that would happen. Yeah, or Oscar or Alexa Bliss or anyone who's, yeah. That, I was so sad when poor Nikki Ash got uh, shoved into the 24-7 club because that's just, that's a dead end in WWE. It's like, don't know what to do, just stick him in here and see what happens. We'll just keep him in there until we come up with a better idea for them. Yeah, and it was too bad. Nikki was having a really big push. She was Raw Women's Champion for a bit. Oh! Yeah, then she had oh, a big man. heel turn, and she changed oh. her costume. And then next thing you know, she's... Yeah, hanging out with them. It's just ah, like, oh, wow. That's a shame. I hope she gets better writing at some point. Hopefully. Yeah, she might just have to ditch the superhero gimmick to get it. Oh, <laughs> she's certainly going to have to. And um, But then, yeah, then we had the women's doubles match. Excuse me. Yeah, which I was excited about because I'm a giant Asuka fan. Um, she was gone for a, a good long time with an injury. And when she came back, I was just, yeah, so excited for her. So. Yeah, those. I think that women's match was really good, better than the singles match. Not just because of the humor and the yeah. singles <laughs> match, but just like I think the spots were really good. Um, I forget. Did the damage control third person have interference or no? I don't remember if she did. It was mainly just she. She did like once, but I don't think she actually got anyone. She was just like distracting the ref. That's right. Yeah, but she was holding up the uh, the belts any time that they were in trouble. Like, this is what you're fighting for. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I, I like Bailey a lot. Um, I don't feel like her current run with damage control has been her best work. But I was still happy to see her there, either way. Uh, I, I'll just comment the Kevin Owens, uh, what's-his-face name? Yeah, Austin Theory. Yeah, Austin Theory match was a lot of fun. Got the crowd riled up really much. I was super excited. Thank you, Kevin Owens, for that. Yes. Um, you you did you did it awesome with that, and I don't know if you're a, a Habs fan or you're a Canucks fan. I I doubt <laughs> that, but like, oh man, um, thank you, sir. That was you you were a hoot and a holler, and yeah, that was a fun match. And he had the um, what's his face? Austin had the the um, money in the bank as well. Yeah, which I was I knew for a fact they weren't gonna put that on the <laughs> line, but you know nothing wrong with teasing people with it. Yeah, I like that they played with it a little. And then eventually, yeah, they just got pissed off enough. They're like, nah, fuck the... I don't care about that being on I just want to beat you up. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, let's see. We don't really have that. I feel like I'm missing other matches here. Yeah, there was a couple more, but just on Kevin, Kevin Owens. Please do. I really do feel like he's all around one of the best talents that WWE has right now. He's a fantastic promo. One of the best people on the mic in WWE. And he's got just an incredible physicality for a guy of his size like he's really intimidating in the ring so i wish that they would give him a bigger push i think he's fantastic you know he's kind of like a similar size to mcfoley eh? yeah yeah i could see that yep and willing to take some pretty damaging high spots i would disagree with that myself but like, again i don't want another benoit but that's just me yeah no i i think he sometimes takes too many risks like there was yeah, there's been a couple episodes of Raw where I was like, wow, he's taking bumps that he should be saving for pay-per-views. Like, Oof, yeah, no. You leave at least, you, you, you do like one or two of those a year, and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> but even still, he, he's got a great presence in the ring, too. He's got a dominating kind of uh, just way about him. I, I think they could really do a lot more with him than they're doing now. But. 
Oh yeah, they also did a. Uh, I forgot to mention there was a um, backstage edition, not edition, but they did a backstage segment with um, the Judgment Day beating up Rey Mysterio. Oh yeah. And the stipulation was that Rey wasn't going to be able to make it to the ring because he got beat up backstage. And so they were going to, like, they forced the ref to do a 10 count, even though they didn't announce him yet. So it's like, what? How does that make any sense? But obviously yeah. he shows up. Uh, and then the other thing was, I don't know if it was before that segment or after, but AJ Styles is basically calling out Roman Reigns. Yeah. Yeah, which I thought worked. It's nice to at least have some story going on, even if it's a, if it's a house show. So that Rey Mysterio fight was the penultimate uh, f- uh, match, right? Yeah, I can't remember when the Miz and um, Riddle match happened. Oh my goodness. Okay, the Miz versus Riddle match. That was something, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm a big fan of the Miz. I yep. was I didn't remember that he was going to be there. I I looked up the uh the list when I first bought the tickets, but I purposely did not look it up again so I could be surprised. There you go. And I was so pumped when I saw the Miz. So <laughs> Yeah, I am also a fan of the Miz if we're going, you know, talking about him in third person. Um <laughs> Riddle, I'm not so much, you know, I'm not saying I'm a a hater or or a fan. I'm just like, he's, I only just heard about him like that night and you explained it to me before the whole, all the event starts. So I'm like, oh, okay. So he's basically like, you know, their stoner guy. Fair, fair enough. Yep. Um, yeah, I could totally see him being like a former UFC fighter. Uh, he was, he was throwing some stuff on there that looked like it was, uh, some like arm bars and Either it was, like, I think he threw a heel hook on there or something like that, or maybe a triangle. I don't remember like, which one it was, but like, yeah, yeah, I can tell that. But yeah, Miz just comes out. That was the match before Rey Mysterio and Judgment okay. Day, uh, I believe so. And oh, golly, yeah, Miz just, uh, he, he again eats away at us. It was, it was great. He's another great promo. Just comes out and is like, oh, yeah, I've been to Vancouver six times for like shooting <laughs> films here. That's, that's how many times I've been here. And I'm like, oh, this guy. Yeah, then he says the movies were shit. <laughs> Pretty much, which I don't, I wouldn't be surprised by. Yeah. Especially if they were WWE films. <laughs> yeah, and of course he was wearing his uh, his Eye of Massive Balls shirt that he's been... Oh, golly, yes. Yeah, he's been wearing that with uh, the Logan Paul feud that he had. So he just broke that out like an old prop. <laughs> which, which, um... Oh, it was either maybe Kevin Owens or The Miz, but which, which uh, of match do you think had like the most pop? Or audience pop, excuse me. Um, I think it was definitely Kevin Owens, because um, he he was really feeding into the local pride. Oh yeah, stuff. oh yeah, he certainly was. And then I think the one that just everyone was yeah way into it, at least um at the start during the uh, the uh, the entrances was the Roman Reigns one. When Roman Reigns came out, I feel like everyone, the place exploded. <laughs> yes, I I will not deny that. So. But yeah, I, I gotta also say, like, and this ties in with both the last match of the night, unless you have anything else to say with, like, Riddle and, and Miz. No, they, they put on a good match. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they did. I don't think there was, like, other than maybe the 24-hour belt match, 24-7 belt, I think, like, that might be the lowest match, but pretty pretty much, like, every single match was, was good. Like, some were great. Yeah. And again, I'm a big fan of Nikki Cross or Nick, Nikki Ash, so I was I was really happy to see her. But yeah, it was not a very good match. <laughs> Fair enough. But yeah, this leads me to obviously the final match, and then this, you know, my my other other feeling was the audience. Mm. Pretty sure it was a sold out event. Maybe not, but like I pretty I much. saw pretty much every seat that was you know available in Pacific Coliseum 
filled. Yeah, it was a packed house. Which was awesome. And it was definitely a wrestling audience. Like, they all came there to cheer. They all came to be carried away by the matches. And, yeah, it really had a great atmosphere. Oh, yeah. There was people that came dressed, people with their fake belts, or their title belts, excuse me, yep. shirts. They had the merch table over there. These were these were wrestling fans. Uh, and, again, it goes to show you that Vancouver does have a wrestling community, which yep. is awesome. But... Um, the audience was again really into all of matches, and they there was there was pops, there was booze, there was cheers, there was chants, like everything you would see at a wrestling event. I swear we could we could fill um, we could fill um, Rogers Arena, and I also think we can fill uh, BC Place. I yeah, honestly I think, so. think that we could have a uh, pay per view at BC Place Stadium, like no doubt in my mind. Maybe both, like you know. A, a regular Raw or SmackDown, and then a pay-per-view. But obviously, they'd never do that. Yeah, and during the uh, Finn Balor and Rey Mysterio match, it even got a "This Is Awesome" chant. Oh yeah, no, I was, I was like, yes, let's go. <laughs> yeah, um, it was great. And then we come to the final match, the final match of the night. Roman Reigns, uh, what's his belts? The, the 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 Universal Champion, and uh, what's his other title? Yeah, he's got the. He's got the Raw and the SmackDown, which I think is Universal and then Heavyweight Champion. Okay. I think it's the two oh, we still have that one. Okay. Um, I think. Okay. Or maybe it's the World Champion. That might be it. WWE World Champion. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so he has both those belts, and AJ Styles is Styles is his opponent. And like I said, there was a backstage promo with him basically calling out Roman Reigns. Yep. And what is you know? So these two are pretty high up there when it comes to WWE. Like these are like the top stars basically. Yep. And not so like this is one of those like non-canon OVAs that I could think of almost like a non a non-canon episode like in a Japanese anime almost <laughs> uh, where it like has nothing it's only there to like promote something. And they weren't really promoting anything tonight but they again yeah. like you said this is like a one-off like show. Which again, I wish they did more of, like you said, but so they, you know, this didn't has no interference within, like you know, the storylines that's going on right now. Yeah, and I'll, I'll just say even, even more so, they're not even on the same brands. It was an entirely raw uh, cast except for Roman Reigns. Okay. So he was just kind of. Which is funny because I always would, I would assume that Roman Reigns was raw, but there goes my ignorance. Because <laughs> we shown my ignorance, but. Uh, yeah, I know. I, that's awesome, given I'm a SmackDown guy. But um, sad to see Rey Mysterio not being on Raw, but I guess he or uh, SmackDown, but I guess he got traded. Um, so these two are superstars, I'd say, and the match was awesome. Yeah. But and you know what I'm gonna say? I don't know what was up with the audience after that. The entrance to both was amazing. Uh, especially like you said that pop with Reigns when he came out and like everybody did the tribal chief chant yeah. or whatever it was uh, was incredible and then Roman Reigns being the heel you know st him talking about you know he got paid here <laughs> he showed up and he's about to leave and then AJ Styles calls him out and what is you know in, in his monologue what does he call him oh AJ what does he call Reigns yeah oh I don't remember something that you wouldn't say on TV now Oh, I definitely don't remember. Oh, jeez. Uh, calls him a uh, something something B I T C H. Oh yeah, son of a bitch. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. I don't think it was a son of a gun. I think it was like just a B I T C H. 
Yeah, and Seth Rollins will every now and again throw that out on, on Raw. But yeah, it's like you cannot say that in the PG era. What's going on here? <laughs> yeah, and I do like that Roman Reigns was like, and who am I in here with? AJ Styles? Didn't I beat you like a couple years ago? Beat you a couple oh, times? Man. Oh man. He's like, you're not even worth my uh, worth my time here. <laughs> Oof. Just again, like so. So Reigns is basically the heel of the group uh, of this match. And AJ's like, you know, the, the face. But, so everything was set up for this to be insane. And it's not even that, like, the 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 spots were great. I think I may have seen, like, a, a botch. But, like, I, th- I think I saw, like, uh, some, like, holding back on punches or something like that. Mm-hmm. But, like, man. The audience just disappointed me in this match. Mm-hmm. Like, there was no reaction from them, almost. I was shocked and surprised. Maybe I'm forgetting this, and I'm, like, thinking, remembering this incorrectly, but, dude, do you not remember the audience? Like, they just fell asleep, or at least they didn't, like, engage as much as I thought they would. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's what it was. It was the end of the night. It had been, you know, kind of a long show up to that point. I think people were just tired, but there was scattered uh, people ooing and aahing or cheering. Oh, yeah, of course. Not like, you know, everybody was, but... Again, the yeah. majority of everybody was. I just I felt they weren't as engaged as they were with all the previous ones. I'm like, even like in the twenty four seven belt match, <laughs> like they were engaged in that, and they were like going ooh ah and all that stuff. Like so, when I so the last match disappointed me only in the audience like reaction because I'm like, what's going on? I like even tried to like start some things if you remember. Yeah, me but, too. Yeah, to, no, to no avail, and <laughs> there was yeah. a couple times when we both were, yeah, trying, and then a few people in our our kind of side of the arena would cheer too. Oh yeah, you would have seen like if anybody was sitting next to us, you would have seen Caleb animated. Oh yeah, you know how I how animated I can get, but like this guy was actually animated. It was it was impressive. Oh, you should see me at home <laughs> watching wrestling. I go, yeah, I'm over the moon. You get into it group think let's go oh and when roma reigns came out i was spirited away i mean that guy oh yeah you are you sir this guy was on cloud nine when he saw that and dang yeah. that man is big i think he's bigger than his cousin like holy crap the hair helps especially but like dang yeah, huge he is like what do they say aj's like 205 or something he's like 270 or whatever i'm like or maybe 250 like, AJ does not stand a chance. That man is, like, pure muscle. Yeah, and he's just got hes got it down. He's got incredible charisma on the mic and just presence to spare in the ring. Even though he, he mainly does, like, just big power moves kind of stuff, he still just somehow, he just captures me when he's in the ring. So. Did he do? I think, he, yeah, he did the Superman punch, right? Yeah, they, and they did a good job building it up. Like, he would, he recharged it and tried to get it a couple times, but AJ kept slipping out of it. And then it was right around near the end of the match when he finally got it in. Yeah, that's right. There was a few times where AJ, like, denied him uh, some tap-outs. And I was like, oh, yeah, nice, let's go. And I forget what AJ's move is, or one of his finishers or signatures is. Yeah, I can't remember if the Styles Clash is the... uh, Oh, yeah, Styles Clash, I think, is the signature. And the Phenomenal Forearm is his uh, uh, finisher. Either way, like, still a great match, but I was taken out of it because the audience was basically just... And I thought, like, okay, is it because both these guys are, like, so good, and not even so good, but, like, people, these are, like, fan favorites that they're having a hard time of, like, 
engaging with one or the other. Like, they're just basically stuck. They, like, can't share for one or the other. Yeah, and I wondered, too, if maybe the audience, it was just, like, they were so focused on the match they weren't even thinking about cheering or something. And that might be it as well. I might just be, again, like, not, not seeing that and being kind of too oblivious to that. But it's just, like, I thought everybody else was doing that with, you know, the other matches, but I guess <laughs> not. And they did definitely have some moments where the audience, like, a couple, like, back-and-forth punches when the audience would, you know cheer and boo or something like that or get into it oh of course um, i'm not gonna yeah i'm again like you're right there was it, it was not like the entire arena was dead quiet it was not but again i expected like this is the final match everybody should just like like have one last hurrah it's the last hurrah like go nuts let's let's <laughs> always lose our voices for monday like come on let's go guys and like <laughs> It just wasn't, it, it kind of let me down. I was just like, oh man, come on. Yeah, I guess I will say that just because just we were going to record this on Monday, this little discussion. But oh man, sitting in that, whatever that chair was that they had in that arena, oh, man, I felt like I was like fucked up the next day. Oh boy. Like I was like, oh, I can barely walk. It just jacked my back up so bad. I'm so sorry. But it was still a great show, but goddamn, they gotta get some comfier seats in that place. <laughs> Have some sort of support. It is an old stadium, I'll say that, or yeah. an old arena, excuse <laughs> me, but... I mean, hey, you probably wouldn't like BC or Rogers Arena seats either. Yeah, could be, could be. I think I went to Rogers, I I feel like that's where I went to for the Alanis Morissette concert. I feel like they're more tolerable, but... Oh, well. And I'll also say we had just fantastic seats as well. Oh, we did. We absolutely did. Um, if we're looking, like, if if North is where the entrance is, and uh, the you know the rings in the center, we were again facing North. We were on the east side uh, of the arena, and we were in the the third bowl they called it. Um, yep. But it was a fairly small arena, so it was like, even though we were a little bit higher up, we could I could still see their faces quite clearly. And oh yeah, no. Uh, we were right near where the concession was and the bathroom was, uh, so that yeah. was kind of nice. And uh, I, I think a slight disappointment, but again, I, I understand why they couldn't do it. I was kind of hoping for pyrotechnics. Yeah, I would have loved that. Yeah, but I, I get why they didn't do it. Oh yeah, no, I, I respect why they didn't do it. I just, it's one of those like wish fulfillments of like, oh, I wish they had that. That would have been cool. Yeah, I will say I think the one negative about the event, um, and I'm, I'm glad that we were sitting where we were sitting because there was seats much further back, much higher up, that I really feel like they should have had a TV screen kind of filming so that people could get a closer look at the action. Oh, yeah, okay, I see. Because, yeah, there, there was people, like, way high up. I'm sure it was just, like, smudges of faces. And, like, that's that's not as fun. <laughs> yeah, they didn't even use the Jumbotron for anything like that. No. Um, they, um, they only used a camera once the match was over to and yeah. I think they also uh, when the wrestlers entered the ring yeah, uh, just yeah again to show their face and, and all that stuff but there was no cameras to be seen again it was a much yeah smaller ring again that was the point it's a much smaller event and um, yeah also I guess you saw a bunch of like the security guys down there like moving people back and saying like hey you can't just you know yeah, um, like too close to the match or th too close to the gate, excuse me, which you know made sense, I guess. But you can also say like, oh, the securities are dickheads. It's like, I don't. It's kind of their show. They can, 
Yeah. I'm say they operate how they want to, but you know what I mean. Oh, but just because our time's getting a little tight, any final, uh, final summation of the uh, the event? Would you would you go again? I would give it a high recommendation if it's in your town, local, uh, local stadium, city, village, whatever you want to call it. I would highly recommend going to, or we're not even just you know WWE, but like I highly recommend just going to see a wrestling event. I, uh, professional catch wrestling event excuse me and i guess also go watch high school and college wrestling <laughs> events um but yeah for a uh spotted wrestling event, uh i would highly recommend it it was a lot of fun and i would certainly most most certainly go back there also yeah. rage against the machine is playing at uh pacific coliseum by the way oh yes i forgot you have to put this out soon so it'll be uh, timely warn people oh, there you go <laughs> Except I don't remember when they come. I think it's this month or it's next month. I don't remember. Yeah, and I will say for me, yeah, as someone who, again, I watch WWE TV every week, it was kind of surreal uh, seeing them all in person there. It was, yeah, it was a strange experience, but a, but a cool one. And, yeah, I, I, at home, get super into wrestling and, you know, do my little, I do my, I put up my one finger for Roman Reigns when I'm sitting in my, my couch and get all into it so being in a wrestling crowd and getting that audience participation was always a piece that i felt like i was missing so i'm very glad to have finally experienced that and getting to participate in you know do the booze do, do that stuff you know cheer on your favorite guys i feel like that's a big part of the the experience that you don't get when you're just sitting at home so yeah, it must have just, like, I think we all saw it, but I'm just going to say it again. It must have just sucked and limited wrestling when COVID-19 was, like, in it, it, the golden age, basically, in its, in its peak. Yeah, talk about, I can't imagine what it must have been like for them, but watching it, wow, it was weird. <laughs> and especially because um, you could hear everything. Like, there's no audience cheering. So, you know, when they tell each other spots, it's pretty blatant. <laughs> and you could even hear it at the event that we were at a little bit. Um, I remember there was a spot with uh, Riddle, where I think he was on the top of the rope, and he was like, throw me, and I could hear it pretty clearly. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, I think I missed that. But, um, yeah, back during the just the TVs era, all that stuff, it was just, like, right out there. And it was, yeah, it was weird. Oh, you remember when they had... Um, all those screens. This was like towards the end of, you know, peak COVID nineteen or whatever it was. When they had all the screens and like everybody watched from their webcams at home and react. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, that that time. That's even more embarrassing. Yeah, it was a weird time. Weird time for the. It's it's funny how that suffered. Like WWE suffered, and I guess just also professional wrestling itself suffered. But UFC actually was better. Because now you don't have a bunch of, like... Not that UFC doesn't have fan interaction, that's great. But, I mean, like... Because the audience does cheer when, like, somebody gets knocked out or whatever. But, like, which, mm -hmm. you, know, it's, you could say that's brutal and it's like, wow, why are they doing that? But when you look at it, it made... All you, I mean, all you could hear was, like, the yelling from, like, the trainers. Which you can sometimes hear if you're not, like... If you mm -hmm. listen carefully enough. Um, when the audience isn't that loud. But, yeah, when it's just, like... A room filled with like I don't know 50 people at most if less if not less yeah you're gonna really like see like better not better UFC but different you uh, different fighting basically mm. when the audience isn't there to like cheer and and like rile them up 
it's kind of interesting that way, but uh, whatever. That's, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> oh, but yeah, I guess we'll yeah round out this episode. Thanks for uh, coming down to the bar and yeah, listening to this conversation. We had a lot of fun uh, talking about all this stuff. <laughs> We're gonna play Gangster. No, uh, Fantastic Voyage. We'll play Fantastic Voyage out. Oh, oh, there you go. Yes, we as we shoo everyone out with with brooms and yeah, mops. Wet mops. Yeah. Which, you know, if if not, we're just going to, you know, drop the gloves and aprons that we wear and uh, make this... <laughs> I'll uh, activate the wrestling ring button lever <laughs> that I, I, I have in the back and bring up the wrestling uh, mat and or uh, ring and uh, start throwing you all in there <laughs> with, like, power bombs and lariats and there half Nelsons and all that crap. Boston Crab. <laughs> Yeah, well, Irish whip you right out the door. Oh, there. <laughs> I'll be a clothesline through hell. <laughs> yeah, and peace. Peace.